next scary movie. Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Welcome back to the Jumping Scared Podcast. My name's Alex, and I'm joined almost as always by my twin brother, Eric. This has been a super long time since we've done a podcast together. Our last one, if you can remember, was a Friday the 13th special, which was almost a month ago, and that was a solo episode by Eric. So we have not been on top of our podcast game, and that is still going to change today with an episode we're super excited about. Eric, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. And just to truly illustrate how far we have been removed from the podcast game, uh, this is our third or fourth attempt in recording this intro. Uh, the first, the very first one, Alex introduced himself and said, Hi, my name's Eric. So, uh... Uh, he got a little too excited, was trying to cut out words, but we're back. We are back, ready to go with a, I don't I don't know if it's been a fan requested, but it's been a fan expected for sure, based on how much uh, both you and I like this media or this uh, source material, oh. you could say. Oh, and we've talked it up a lot. We're like, oh, we have plans to do this. We're going to do this. Wait, wait, just wait till chapter two comes out. And if you can't tell by now, we're talking about it. That's obviously going to be one of the you know, titles or in the show notes, but we are talking about it. Stephen King's It. So today is going to be a little bit of a mega-sode. We're going to, maybe not with length, but in terms of all the material we're covering, we're going to be talking about the two new movies. We're going to be talking about the 1990s miniseries. We're going to be talking a little bit about the original book. Neither of, us have, neither of us have read the book in the last few years. I probably read it most recently four years ago. So we're not going to lean too much on the book, but we're going to talk about some things we really liked from the book. Um, not too spoilery, but... Yeah, we're going to really cover all bases here with uh, adaptations and uh, kind of versions of Stephen King's It. So I'm super excited. It, you know, it just, it, it, there's something about this story that I think is very, very compelling. And you like, you kind of care about these children. It's a really interesting friend group and you have this kind of just relationship that this is why this has been adapted multiple times with a double, you know, two movies this time. It, 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 there's a reason it's been adapted multiple times. It's because it's such a easy story to capture, you know, try to capture that friendship. And that's what makes the story so great. So we're going to really delve into that, Eric. Yeah, I'm excited for it, ready to get going. And I think uh, we discussed before the podcast, we are going to start with the 1990 miniseries. It, so it came out as a made-for-TV miniseries in two parts. Each part is about 90 minutes long. And uh, uh, so the book was written in the 70s or 80s. Do you know for sure? Um, I have, let me, you know what? I have it on my phone. Let me pull it up real quick. I believe it's, I believe it's early 80s. It's either late 70s or early 80s. I will throw out a guess of 77. While Alex looks Oh, up. no, it's late 80s. 86. Oh, okay. Uh, so this movie, uh, just three to four years out uh, after the book came out, um, book was pretty pretty well received right when it came out. Uh, it's certainly one of Stephen King's most uh, iconic pieces of work. Absolutely, and you can tell that just from the fandom for the book, let alone the multiple remakes we have now seen. Yeah. Uh, so getting getting right off the bat, I don't think we should spend any time talking about the miniseries before talking about Tim Curry. And so Tim Curry. Uh, everybody's favorite actor with such a wide range of movies and uh home alone clue pennywise the dancing <laughs> clown it and it's it's a very difficult role to play especially i think with how this was set up as a made for tv miniseries you're certainly limited with what you can and can't do if you're especially in the 90s oh, yeah. for television um tim curry was able to transcend a character and he basically it's, it's one of those ideas of you forget who the character the actor is and it's just solely that character and that character is displayed just perfectly mm -hmm. and we'll talk about some faults but also some really good things as we go but that's the first thing I, that came to mind that i wanted to mention was how how iconic tim curry is in this adaptation of the stephen king novel yeah and, and with that eric i think it's a really interesting take is that he he really played pennywise as like a clown like he, he really embraced the clowniness uh i think you had in your notes to talk about the scene in the library where uh, Richie is an adult and he runs into this super wisecracking like really bad joke pennywise while Kind of being creepy, but mostly just being like slapstick goofy. And he really embraces like the clowniness. And I think 
the I think it kind of goes with the artistic interpretation they did with his makeup and the kind of the style. I think that really built up. It kind of just felt more like a humanistic clown, whereas in the in the new movies, I never really got the idea that this is anything that could resemble a human. <laughs> this is a, Bill Skarsgård was just on a completely another level with how creepy and weird and just un unhumanistic he he made that. So I think it's I I don't I'm not necessarily saying that's much better. I just think it's different. I think it's interesting to talk about or, or acknowledge that difference. And that actually is a very important difference to point out, especially as we will talk about Pennywise's roots and kind of his more true form uh there's a very very large difference in how that form is depicted in the 1990s versus how it was depicted in these uh two new movies yeah i think if we could just go back and erase the into pennywise's lair in in the part two of the 1990s miniseries if we could just erase (laughs) that 10 15 minutes that would probably be a very solid addition to the movie so one thing i really like about the miniseries is that um Especially compared to the new two new movies, uh, I think the two new movies did a little bit too much with the jumpy back and forth CGI stuff. Yeah. Uh, this movie in the 1990s, obviously, that's not really prevalent anywhere, and this movie doesn't it's do better. that really whatsoever. I mean, but that's it's a slow moving, yeah. <laughs> just like oh, it's lumbering. Yeah, honestly, it needed the fast movie <laughs> CGI to take away from the design. Somewhere in the middle, yeah, we got we got to bridge that gap. But what this did rely on was, yeah, like Alex said, Pennywise being just a true frightening clown. Like you can, you can almost uh, picture this as like what's that serial killer? The John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, John Wayne Gacy. Uh, somebody like this, just dressing up like a clown, being terrifying. Uh, and the big, the biggest theme of it, especially I think, why people are so attached to it, especially seemingly uh, younger generations, is that. Uh, it's the age-old peril of kids acting on their own because they have no support systems from their parents or any adults in the town. Uh, Pennywise operates. I want. It's not quite like mind control, but he, there's like a damning forgetfulness regarding his aura and his presence and the things that he does. And uh, it certainly seems like the adults in Derry either are stri- stricken by this or also kind of just mentally self-eradicate any painful or suppress any painful memories. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and that's actually a very common thread, a common theme in Stephen King's works is this kind of collective evil, this collective like kind of just bad festation that is really spreading and permeates. You see it in a lot. You see it in It. You see it in things like the Tommyknockers, um, a little bit under the dome. You definitely see it in a lot of places, and you see this just permeation of evil so like kind of what eric is saying there's the adults don't really have the capacity to understand how bad the things are like oh yeah missing children it's fine like it's just a normal thing they don't seem to really care they move on really quickly they um don't really help when there's really really bad bullying and these mm-hmm. children potentially be putting being put in like life-threatening situations it's just like you know pennywise has been there for so long that this evil has spread its roots that it's just encompassing dairy in this like inescapable just I don't know, like controlling Mm -hmm. evil environment. And yeah, actually one of my favorite scenes from that 1990s miniseries is when uh, Ben gets chased down by Henry and his goons and Henry uh, is going to carve his name into Ben's belly so he never forgets it. And you see this car of adults just drive by, look at him, they keep driving, and as they pass by, a little red balloon pops up in their... uh, So you you mean in in the new one? No, that's in the old one too. Is it? Yeah. No. Uh, definitely in the new one. <laughs> Is it in the new one? Yeah. I think you're thinking of the new one. <laughs> <laughs> With the balloon, at least, for sure, that's in the new one. Damn. Okay. Um, see, that's the problem when you watch things recently and mix different things. So we, we bo- right. both have watched the miniseries and now the It Chapter 2 and It Chapter 1 also recently. So blends together. Damn it. <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, fooey. Anyway, it's the same idea, same concept, just a wrong movie. But yeah, that's a perfect way to just illustrate, hey, these adults can do nothing for you. Pennywise can do exactly what he wants to do. Right. You've got no escape. It's This is your fate. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be... So but that is a shared idea in, throughout all of them, throughout the book, the original miniseries, and then the uh, newest ones. Um, some other things I liked about the miniseries, I think... <sighs> 
the, the trans well I, actually I'm gonna say something I didn't like the transitions but this this didn't work for me the transitions between the different timelines were very felt very forced and uncomfortable like you had it just it didn't flow naturally whereas I think they did a really good job with the flashbacks in, in chapter two uh, or I mean and then they also had the benefit of just separating it out and I think that maybe is smart to do because it's 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 like a thousand eleven hundred page book it's that's a lot of source material. I think they did a better job in modern day of splitting it out and then having flashbacks in chapter two, whereas the constant cutting back and forth and just like in four situations, like you'd zoom in on adult Ben, like holding his face, staring off into distance, and then it would go to young Ben doing the exact same pose and then it just transition to a new scene. I don't know. It just felt very ham-fisted and very... Well, to be fair, so I, I actually listened to this book on tape and I had absolutely no idea what was going like plot-wise going on plot-wise for the longest time because it jumps from young to old. Mm -hmm. And it's introducing new characters as they do this. I'm like, when will we get to a point where I'm going to have a consistent set of characters that I understand their, what they're doing, what their, like, what their backstories are? So it took me a good probably five hours of yeah. listening to be like, oh, okay, so we're getting flashbacks of what happened to them as kids, and now we're seeing how their adults are getting pulled all back into the town so they can fight back the bad evil. Mm -hmm. um, so that was confusing. So I can understand the miniseries having a little bit of trouble with that. It, I mean, flashbacks are always kind of difficult to capture mm -hmm. in a uh, cinematog cinematography sense. Um, but yeah, I kind of do, unfortunately, agree with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, one thing I did like, I liked all the interaction, the individual interaction that Pennywise had with all the kids. I mean, they, they did it in both, but I think they really did it well in this one. You had like, uh, yeah, Beverly with the sink, the blood in the sink, which is, is a great scene. Uh, Richie in the basement with the werewolf is a little goofy. What I really liked was Eddie in the shower with Pennywise climbing out of the drain. That's probably my favorite one. The Eddie, Wy or Eddie, in, nah, I was going to say Eddie Wise, Eddie in the shower uh, so the showers like coming off the wall, I thought those actually kind of looked like the spindling legs of the deadlight spider that like a, yeah. a, how you kind of picture it from the book. Yeah. Because they're kind of like intertwining and then the shooting out of the stream of water kind of is like the shooting out of the light. That was something I thought was potentially trying to foreshadow. Like, hey, we know what the idea is supposed to be, <laughs> so don't be so disappointed when we show you an eight-legged freak later on. That was very Nightmare on Elm Street-esque to yes. me too. Uh, oh, Nightmare on Elm Street too, I guess. But mm -hmm. yeah. I think maybe borrowed a little bit from that with the kind of weird creepiness that happened in the shower. But yeah, that was one, that was probably my favorite interaction between Pennywise and, and the kids was him with Eddie. Yes. Um, I thought so too. And then uh, this is a, just a general con comment on it, but one of the cool things I like about this is how we see it all individually affecting these uh, kids. And then it takes a while for them to come together and realize, hey, I'm not crazy Everybody else, all of my friends group is experiencing this. This is something that's affecting everybody and something that we actually have to go after. Yeah. So they, I didn't think that, I didn't love how they did it, honestly, in the miniseries. Because, like, it kind of all of a sudden, Ben was just like, or uh, Bill, or rather, was just like, hey, I'm going to tell you guys something. And if you if you laugh, I swear to God, I'm going to be so mad. And then he tells, and then everyone's like, oh, me too, me too, me too. <laughs> it's like, they wait a while, but then everything's all at once. It's like, I don't know. I, I kind of like the slow reveal the slow getting on board that you kind of see in the new, uh, the new uh, it chapter one and it chapter two. I kind of like the indecisiveness, like oh you're just it's just in your head. You know, Stan is a big proponent of oh you know it's empirically impossible <laughs> as he says a lot. So and, and one of the common threads that we kept coming up as we were rewatching the old miniseries and after watching the new two two new movies was that the old miniseries while had a, having a lot of good stuff didn't do as much justice as it realistically probably should have or could have. So I think it's also a good time here for us to point out some things we truly did like from the miniseries and thought that it did really well. So one, I'm, I'm going to have a couple small things, but a couple small things in film that are like really good add up and it makes you come away with, oh yeah, I really like that scene. So uh, mine comes from the very opening scene of the movie. And it's about that little girl who's playing outside while her mom's doing laundry. And she just comes down through the tapestry and is singing the itsy bitsy spider went up the water spout. And having that little nursery rhyme reflective of Pennywise living through the sewers, kids coming up and down through the sewer drains. That dichotomy was such a good way to start the movie. Mm -hmm. 
I definitely agree that, and then just the creepiness of like you hear um, uh, Tim Curry's voice like through the fluttering sheets or uh, towels on the clothesline, and you get small glimpses of him, and the girl's kind of confused. That was also a really cool introduction. I think the opening scene is one of the best in the movie, but it definitely trails to I think our agreed upon favorite scene in the movie was how they did the kids around the picture book with the old timey photo and the circus music, and then all of a sudden the photo comes to life and. Out of the background, you see this figure starting to run up, and then you realize it's Pennywise. And then he spots the children, runs up real close, climbs a light pole, and is like pointing right at him, which was I thought really cool. Yeah, the best part about that to me is during his run up, he's like hiding behind cars and like peeking yeah. around to see if they see him. And then as like he starts really far back, and you, it's like a hustling and bustling picture. It's yeah. so like you don't even see him like right right away. Right. And uh, yeah, that's that's by far my favorite moment of the movie. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, and one more thing I'll add. I thought um, if we're so one of the reasons that the 1990s miniseries I feel like doesn't get a lot of respect is that while the children did a pretty good job, a lot of the scenes with the adults, especially in the second half in the part two of the miniseries, didn't do a very good job. I, I do want to say I thought the uh, adult actor for Bill and the adult actress for Beverly were both very good in their roles and played convincing characters to me. Yeah, I didn't like uh, Bill's uh, ponytail very much, but <laughs> other than that... I, I mean, to be honest, he, he rode a bike named Silver and said, Hi-ho, Silver. Yeah. It's That's the kind of future you've got. Yeah. Let's be realistic. Let's <laughs> maybe fair. Um, I did also like the inclusion of Audra. They didn't... Um, they didn't that's a little bit of a spoiler, but uh, Audra was much less, it had a much smaller role in the new movie. Um, slight spoiler again, I'm sorry, but it's not a, not a huge deal. But I, I like that they included her. I think that's a pretty pivotal moment in how the relationships of the adults pan out with kind of the love triangle with uh, the, three B, the three Bs, Bill, Beverly, and Ben. So I think Audra was a pretty good, in, important component of that. And I like that they had her in this miniseries. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, this movie, well, I guess I mean they both kind of had the same structure of being split in half, um, except for in the miniseries we saw both adults and kids in right. both parts, which that followed the book closer. Um, but I think overall the approach of the new uh, movie makes a little bit more sense, just story wise and narrative wise. Sure. Um, and then I so saw anything else jumping out at you for that miniseries. No, I might reference it back as we're talking about uh, the newer movies. So I think I think for now I'm good to kind of steer the discussion a little bit more towards the new movies. And I think it makes sense to just start with Chapter 1, even though we've seen Chapter 2 slightly more recently. Um, chapter 1 was a pretty, I mean, kind of out-of-nowhere blockbuster. It definitely got marketed well, but I don't think anyone expected it to do nearly as well as it did. I mean, it really set a new standard for what expectations for horror movies can be at the box office. I think this got a lot of producers a lot of studios interested in making horror movies i mean this made an unbelievable amount of money uh i mean for i think for good reason yeah a pretty amazing job casting the cast was wonderful and a lot of pretty much no-name kids i mean they're pretty darn young the only one that kid that really stood out was finn wolfhard from stranger things obviously and then bill skarsgård but i'm not really counting him as a kid um and yeah so eric i think we can just go ahead and get right into this uh this adaptation I thought was very good. I think it captured what I find the most important, which I've already talked about, is that kind of childhood relationship, this closeness and this kind of journey that the children get. I feel like they actually felt like good friends. I think they really captured that and they really felt like a tight-knit friend group. So I thought the cast was great and I thought they worked together really, really well in this. Yeah, uh, right away when this movie came out, uh, it got a lot of comparisons kind of to Stranger Things, not only just because Finn Wolfhard's in both uh, both show and Stranger Things and the movie, but also by the way the children interact, it's very sarcastic, very humorous, very friend, much friend friendly ribbing. And honestly, I think it, yeah, it, like you said, it it plays up well towards the uh, belief that these guys are actually friends. And it also you start so like lighthearted and humorous, and you just see the downgrade. I think that. I, you, I feel like in the miniseries, we're just kind of thrown into, we're, we're thrown into an automatic um, displeasure right away when we see the scene with Georgie. Mm -hmm. And speaking of the scene with Georgie, 
this scene that opens the movie is utterly fantastic, grotesque in all the right ways. It's shocking, disturbing, horrific. And right away, we are shown an important important thing, uh, how Pennywise was going to be followed up by Tim Curry, and it's going to be followed up pretty damn good. Yeah, and I, all due respect to Tim Curry, um, I thought he did a really good job, and I think he made a really compelling character with how they kind of decided to make that character. But I just, I, I prefer Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise just, I mean, a hundred times out of a hundred. Bill Skarsgård made these movies what they were. I, th- I think neither movie was perfect of the chapter one and chapter two, but Bill Skarsgård was such a huge part of making these movies what I would consider very good. I would say Pennywise was creepy and like disturbing uh, with uh, Tim Curry, but Pennywise with Bill Skarsgård was luring and horrifying and he he plays the role of the unassuming clown with absurdly terrible motives a lot better and it makes i think it makes it a better a better narrative towards why a clown like this could be so successful in carrying out whatever he's doing because he is so gentle with the children at first and luring them in and snap of his fingers and it's over. Oh, yeah. And I I mean, this is just like a physical thing that he does. But like the kind of dead look he gives sometimes when he's like close to like, you know, feeding. Like we, you see it when he's talking to Georgie in the sewer. And Georgie sees it too and gets freaked out. But he just kind of stares and starts drooling a bit. Because Bill Skarsgård has incredible facial control with the from the lip grin thing he can do to the way he controls his eyes. Like he just has incredible facial control to really give... Super creepy, but super, like, interesting uh, gestures and just kind of facial, I don't know, signalization. Kind of sig- yeah, that's not even how that's a word, but facial signals. Like, he just does it such a creepy, crazy way that yeah, I, can, I can give nothing but praise for Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And uh, so an important note here, I already mentioned it, that they use humor, but they use humor a lot in this movie. Not even just in like the dialogue, but like those small moments with Bev and Ben where Bev finds out that uh, Ben is a massive, massive beast, Beastie Boys no, fan. Uh, New Kids on the Block. New Kids on the Block fan. And, uh, and then they, there's a second scene where she finds a poster behind the door and only she sees it and you hear a quick little ballad. Boom. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I liked that. It's... I like I like uh, desolate movies where everything is just bleak, but I also can appreciate, especially in a movie where you're focused so much on children and eventually the um, fight of children against an evil. I like those little moments of taking you back because it reminds you that hey, these kids are going through their childhood. Yeah, they're scared, but they still have to find the moments that keep them going. Yeah, and I think you know, like the Richie Trashmouth Tozer thing. I think Finn Wolfhard they really leaned into it, and I think. That's realistic. Like, not everything he said was actually super funny, but, like, obviously it was intended to be funny, and that's, like, kind of how kids' humor works. Like, it's going to be crass, it's going to be crude, it's going to be, oh, I I banged your mom, or whatever, you know, it's going to just be uh, goofy, and I thought it fit really well, and that's, you know, kind of helped me buy into, like, them feeling, like, more realistic friends as well. Yes, and uh, (laughs) so one of my my favorite moments of the uh, movie was when... um, Eddie found out he was being given placebo pills by the uh, girl at the pharmacy, mm-hmm. and he storms up to his mom and goes, "These are just gazebos, <laughs> gazebos." Uh, just yeah, it's just simple stuff like that. Uh, it's it's it sounds silly, but it it's it's great. It's mm-hmm. really well done. Yeah, I also liked that inclusion real quick of the girl bully because I think that really set up Beverly to be like a loser better because in the original miniseries like why is she a loser like she seems like a nice normal girl i mean her she has a really bad family life but yeah poor a poor, a poor dad who works as a janitor at the store or at the school yeah uh, yeah which, but i mean so i think this the what i'm just trying to say though is the the it chapter one did a better job of setting her up why mm-hmm. she would be joining this hodgepodge uh, friend group of, of kind of combined losers no i get that and i agree with that as well um important uh, comparison to have here is uh, how Henry Bowers was cast. And I think for different reasons, he was cast great in both movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the miniseries, he was he seemed like a lot older, 
more mature. Like maybe he'd failed a grade a couple times, and um, yeah, it was all. It's also weird comparing like a greaser to like a normal kid with a mullet. Like yeah. I don't know. Like it, the greaser feels very dated. I guess is is kind of the thing. So it's hard to if you didn't grow up in that time period. I think it's hard to really view him as like being very scary. I guess whereas I definitely could see this Henry Bowers as being pretty scary, and in the book he's honestly terrifying. Yeah. So well, so the thing is. The Henry Bowers from the miniseries was more physically imposing. Like the new one, he's a skinny kid, not much. Well, he's big. pretty skinny in the miniseries too. But he's like he's big. He's, he's like a foot taller. Yeah. yeah, so he's a little bit more imposing. But no, I agree with you. And but I think for different, I think in the new movie, the twenty seventeen and twenty nineteen part one and part two, um, you get the relationship between Henry and his father done a little bit better, mm-hmm. and you get the explanation for why he's such a dick. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I liked that relationship. And with kind of segueing with that, I also want to talk about the differences between how Bev's father and her interacted in the two. Um, I think the dysfunction of their relationship was much better shown in the new movies. Um, It was so much creepier. It was a lot more in your face the way he would ask, are you still my little girl? And Beverly just looks completely dead is just like oh you just feel so bad for this kid like she's going through such a horrible situation being in this really i mean i guess sexually abusive at least sexually manipulative father it just it's just terrible you know it's it's terrifying it's gross it's horrifying but i think it's really well done and i think it's better done than in the miniseries which i don't think I didn't really feel that like worried about her father. He, she, he was still a creep, but it was just near, it wasn't nearly as bad. Yeah, I agree. And uh, while we're on the topic of comparisons, uh, I really didn't like how they took away the research role of Mike uh, in the new movie. So for everybody who is unfamiliar uh, with the original source material, uh, Mike, who is uh, the dairy resident who ends up staying in dairy for forever. Uh, in the 1990s miniseries, as well as in the book, he is the one who puts together all of the research that points out, hey, this these occurrences are happening every 27 years. Seems like kids keep on disappearing. Things are going bad. He kind of puts out that timeline. But in the new movie, it is uh, new to town Ben. And that's kind of the um, him doing that is what brings them all together and kind of introduces him to the group for the most part. Yeah. And Which it, 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 it doesn't, I don't think it makes sense to do that, especially since Mike uh, keeps his role as owning, or I guess he, it's an expanded role. He owns the library uh, when they come back in at chapter two. So if you're not going to have him do that, I don't know. It seems it seemed a little silly. Yeah, well, but honestly, I'm glad that at least he had a role in It Chapter 2 because he almost didn't have a role in It Chapter 1. He kind of was just there. Like, I think the inclusion of his his parents being burned and that, the imagery they did with that was, was, was creepy and well done. But, like, as a character, he didn't really have a lot going for him. Like, they didn't really give him much to, to work with. So it kind of felt like he was just kind of there and didn't really have a character-defining thing. Like, I think all the other characters had a really defining thing you have uh you have yeah so you i mean because you have ben uh you have bill losing georgia you have beverly with her father you have eddie with the dysfunctional relationship with his mother and then breaking his arm you have uh richie i guess just being i don't know richie kind of i mean he's just kind of he's just funny yeah i mean that's kind of his thing uh ben obviously new kid but then this research role uh, and then you and then Stan. He's the one poking holes and everything. Yeah. Logic must prevail. Yeah, and being Jewish. Uh, so, <laughs> so. That's well. That's actually they do a really good job of that in his uh, in the new movie and give him like a specific thing where he's getting spooked by. Yeah, uh, that woman. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So, anything else to add here as far as comparisons, or should we just go into things that we really liked about the? It mini or the new movies uh, or it chapter one. We're talking about it chapter one. I know. So anything else before we move oh, on to chapter um, two? We we've already said, but just to harken on, we they definitely overused the shaky CGI. Uh, a lot. Of, I think it was done interestingly at at points, but just it, you reach a certain point where it's like, okay, that's another one. That's another <laughs> one. Like I think the scene with. Uh, Georgie yelling, you'll float too, you'll float too in the basement. And then Penny Rise like running at him could have been cool. But just like the way the camera worked, it just kind of ruined it. Because he's like, his head's like this massively shaking back and forth. And it's just like. See, I think that scene is so much better if you just have Georgie, y'all float too. And you see Penny Rise rise out of the water, then lunge at him. Yeah, exactly. Nothing else. Right, yeah. Exactly. And 
I can't I can't get over who who blueprints and signs off on that. Yeah, just have them just run. Like, come on, like that. Let the anticipation build, and if you're not going to have him get caught, don't do something to f up the moment. Yeah. Um. Real quick, what was your favorite um, interaction with Pennywise or a form of Pennywise with one of the kids in this movie? Because we kind of talked about our favorites with the mm-hmm. miniseries. That's a good question. Hmm. Okay. So the honestly, probably it's, it's pretty simple, but I think it was Eddie first walking past the house when Pennywise had like that pyramid of balloons in front mm-hmm. of him. Um, I think that was my favorite just because I really liked the visual on that. So, not, the, so not the leper just when he's holding the balloons. Okay. That, because also the house becomes such an integral part right. of part two as well as part one. Um, in terms of like new ones, I, I liked the, like you kind of mentioned the inclusion of that portrait lady for Stan. She was super creepy, um, a little too CGI at times, but the first scene with her where she disappears from the portrait and then stalking Stan in the, uh, synagogue was very creepy and very cool. Yes. Um, I, yeah. I thought Bev's uh, Bev's scene was pretty cool too. They went, I mean, they went all the way. Oh, she all the got way. drenched. <laughs> yes, absolutely drenched. And also, that gave a kind of cool camaraderie cleanup uh, between the group and the kids. Yeah, another. Uh, and that's an important part of building their friendship because that, like, that kind of ties them together to this weird phenomenon that they know that not everybody can actually see. Like, they that kind of makes them think they're unique together. Like, they're in this weird situation that they understand which is an important pivotal moment because it really kind of binds them and then sets them on a trajectory that's ultimately going to meet with this confrontation and not only that but it also gives a little bit more legitimate legitimacy to their eventual pact to ever come back if they need to if it it comes back because that's a it's a pretty strong statement i guess they're kids who maybe aren't thinking of the consequences of it but uh it's a pretty strong uh, oath to take upon yeah absolutely Okay, um, so yeah, then just we're going to focus on some more of our favorite parts of it and then uh, continue moving forward. All right. Okay, um, so I, I guess I'm, it's, it's just going to come back to Bill Skarsgård a little bit more for me because uh, I think the way he like toyed with the kids in this was so fun in the way that Bill Skarsgård did it. So like even just the, the part in Niebolt House, or the house on Niebolt Street, uh, when the kids go in there to try to confront Pennywise and Eddie crashes through the floor, breaks his arm, and then Pennywise contortions himself out, contortionists himself out of the refrigerator and then grabs his arm and is like like fake biting it like oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and like that's just so cool and like then he like hears the kids upstairs coming down and he like just waits and like th- that whole scene and he's like oh am i not real enough for you billy i was real enough for georgie like i he, oh man he just did such a great job when the best part about that scene is uh pennywise uh ki- i mean it's not kind of he does run on he's fed by fear he is uh he's satiated by kids but he's really fueled by their fear and he like def- likes to feast on them when they're most scared yeah and that was a little bit the the, the severe severity that they kind of talked about that was definitely more so for the new movies and less so in the book like they definitely expanded mm-hmm. upon that because in the book like yeah he scares people and then eats them because that's his thing but this one they like literally made it like he's not even interested in eating them if they're not afraid and like mm-hmm. you see that with beverly later in the movie like She's like, oh, I'm not afraid of you. And he like feels her face. And he's like, hmm, okay. Yeah. And then he opens his face and <laughs> lets her see the deadlights. Yeah. And, uh, and so going back to the scene you just mentioned with Eddie, the reason it seemed like the most why he didn't end up biting into Eddie was because uh, on the flip side, Bill and Richie were conquering their fears and going through the very scary, not so scary. Yeah. <laughs> super. I love that concept. They just open the not so scary door and you hear a girl's voice. Where are my shoes? And the light turns on, she's got no legs. <laughs> I assume it's a Betty Ripsum potentially, yeah. but yeah. And then they brought that back for the <laughs> for the it chapter two as well. Yeah, so that's like that's a nice like it's a silly concept, but like a awesome one. It reminds me of like Resident Evil Four when you have to pick between the giants or the chainsaw wielding <laughs> oh, twins. Good reference. Yeah, gate A or gate B, which lever do you pull? Um, and apparently they had to pull every <laughs> every lever right. in this movie because. Uh, the signs weren't so accurate, and then they tried to play. Uh, okay, well, let's use reverse psychology. And like, the very scary was just like this mad. Oh, it's the dog turned monster. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think the 
I think I, well, actually, one thing I did, I really liked how they did Pennywise's lair and the floating children with the deadlights. That super was clever. super cool. Because I think when they said, oh, you'll float here too, like, you know, in the original, it's, it's more like, oh, because the balloons float, they'll float, like, in the sewers, they'll float on the sewers. But, like, to actually have them floating in, like, a circle in this massive room, I liked that visual a lot. It was very creepy. And then you have, like, the pile of, like, discarded children's toys and bicycles and junk and stuff. I liked that a lot. Yeah, that was my favorite part of either movie, either of the new movies, to be honest, was their utilization of how not only how good the deadlights looked, but that concept of letting the children float. And and not only like were they floating, but like their eyes were gold, oh, yeah. like golded out, are like neck completely bent straight up, and they were just like being summoned by an alien beam. It was yeah, so so cool looking. Yeah, and one thing I didn't think was like amazing, but like Pennywise dance he did. I want to just give props out too because it set up like probably my favorite gag in the it chapter two you know he does that ridiculous dance where bub is in the chamber uh when when bill Hader, adult richie in the in the follow-up at chapter two he's like and they're starting to remember he's like oh yeah didn't you remember pennywise used to be like he's like oh you used to say that crazy stuff like you know float too and then he's like you need to do that crazy dance and he mind the dance and I, that just made me laugh so hard because like i wasn't expecting as much comedy as they brought but it it worked for me on a lot of levels so we'll talk about that more with it chapter two which i think we're getting pretty close to segueing yes. to anyways yeah, that, uh, that dance scene got memed to death somebody did it over a rap beat dropping he came out and started dancing with the beat uh yeah yeah, it was uh, it was fire it was hot fire big flames so i just want to give a shout out to that for setting up that wonderful gag for bill Hader. yeah and uh so yeah we've gotten to the point and then uh i think the movie ends well too everybody knew there was going to be a part two um i mean maybe people who are unfamiliar with it i did go with one friend who didn't know anything about it he said it was weird but good (laughs) i don't think he was planning on seeing the second one um but yeah, I think they set it up really well. The the oath they signed and skipping out on the book's most infamous scene uh, before the lair is probably good too. Yeah, the book goes into some really weird cosmological things with how they needed to defeat Pennywise. And one of them was to kind of, it was an ultimate bond and a breaking of kind of innocence and purity that we don't even need to discuss because it's been discussed to death. And a lot of people were like, oh, well, I can't support a book at all that includes this. And it's like, okay, well, that's a little bit extreme. I understand pushback for it, but you already know the scene <laughs> we're talking about. So we'll just move forward from it. All right. So It Chapter 2 came in, coming out. Came, came, out. Out. Yeah, came out uh, about two months ago now, maybe three months it ago. It was uh, late September 6th, I believe. So. Oh. Oh, yeah, it was for our birthday. About, about a month ago. Um, so we saw this in theater with a couple buddies, and um, it's already probably out of theaters. If you get a retro theater near you that chooses to show it, I'd recommend it, because it's definitely a fun one to see in the theaters. Um, it Chapter 2. Uh, I am just going to go ahead and say I loved the casting of every single adult. <laughs> yeah. Especially in comparison to the miniseries. I thought Bill Hader was amazing. Jessica Chastain played a super convincing Bev, especially if if we're looking at the characters as how they were portrayed in It Chapter Mm 1. I think Bev is the most similar to her character as a child and as an adult. In personality or looks? I think both. Like, the way that she carries herself. I thought young and adult Eddie were very good. As was Bill Hader and Finn Wolfhard. Honestly, everybody was really good. The only one that I didn't fully believe was James McAvoy as adult Ben, but he's such a good actor that I didn't even care. I mean, adult Bill. Adult Bill. There's too many Bs. I know, right? Uh, Adult Bill. I, I didn't really think that he was like a perfect casting for... Ben, uh, adult Bill based on the child, but I thought he was a, I mean, he's a phenomenal actor. He's, I mean, if you watch Split, I don't know how you can say he's anything but a phenomenal actor. And he was great in this. So I, I, it was completely fine with it. Yeah. And uh, so right off the bat, before we get into anything else, this movie uh, introduces a couple scenes that we haven't really seen before in the book or in the miniseries. And one of the scenes that it introduced was, I think, my favorite of the book, miniseries, and um, it chapter one and it chapter two favorite of the entire saga uh, was a scene with a little girl under the bleachers pennywise luring her in uh, with the fireflies and then 
bringing his head into view. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that scene is definitely something I would have expected in, in Chapter 1 and not 2. So I, I wouldn't have expected something like that in, in Chapter 2. And I'm so glad they included it because that is that is the type of scene that I wanted over the CGI scares. That is Bill Skarsgård doing what he does best, what he has already done and shown how he's so creepy but inviting. He's enticing. He's like, oh, you know, people make fun of me for the way I look, too. I can help you. I can blow it all away. And he, like, lures this girl in. He makes a quick friend with her and then just twists immediately into this grotesque, this psychotic being. And it's just so well done. It's so creepy, so interesting, and so compelling. And I just, I wish they would have done this more. Like, that is so good. And uh, while we're on the topic of introducing children scenes... We get a new character, a child who now lives in uh, Bill's old house, and uh, Bill has uh, kind of forges a awkward relationship with him after running into him a couple times, and after he becomes the target of Pennywise's terrors. And I thought that entire saga, that mini mini plot that revolved around Bill, because actually Bill kind of stole the show here as an adult. He, uh, I mean, he's the most important character in the 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 first part of the book anyway just because it all revolves around him right. getting back Georgie but I think he really stole the show and mentally how they showed him overcoming that especially with uh, Pennywise either playing Georgie or even him having to face the former Bill and the kind of things that that former Bill was saying which are the kind of things he's been saying in his head to himself for probably as long as he's been living right I thought that visualization was super super well done yeah and that, that character actually was in the books, um, that little boy. Uh, not nearly as important, but adult Bill runs into this little boy and he's asking, like, oh, have you seen uh, anything like this? And he's like, oh, no, but me and my friend, you know, we've been seeing, seeing a shark in the river that runs through the Barrens. And I, I thought you would probably like that as a shark guy. I could remember that. Okay. It's a really small reference, but, like, that's, like, for them, Pennywise was manifesting as a shark mm-hmm. and trying to, like, nip at them as they were playing by the river, which I thought was cool. Um... Yeah, so I also wanted to talk about the opening scene for It Chapter 2, which is the very first scene of the actual book. Um, So the very beginning of the book was Adrian Mellon. Uh, He's a gay person with his boyfriend who was, you know, in the book or in the movie. They're at a, like, a fair. Um, They're at some sort of festival carnival. And they get into a slight altercation with some dairy boys, go on their way, and then they get into a serious altercation. And this is kind of like this permeating evil influencing. This is this is maybe more of a representation of kind of already bad people being further corrupted and being pushed to a more aggressive a more aggressive amount of like evil. But you have these homophobic people who almost beat this man to death like he's pretty close to death he's just being pummeled it was a brutal scene it really was yeah and they i'm kind of i'm this will sound weird but like i'm glad they went there with the brutality because i think it's an important message because that stephen king was definitely sending a message when he wrote that in the book that you know people in in the book people didn't really care that much it's like oh a gay guy guy got beat up but like this is this is grotesque and this is horrifying and then you have him being thrown over the river, his boyfriend chasing after him, and then only to, you know, drift on over to Pennywise, where Pennywise is getting a feast of him with all the red balloons coming underneath the bridge, which was a, also a super cool visual. And that was a wonderful opening scene that really set the stage for the movie. Yeah, that's uh, that's the, the scene I remember. It's, um, not only because it's the first scene, but I remember listening to that. I remember where I was. I was outside walking while I listened to that. And just how that, that scene was written, uh, it just stuck with me how, how visceral the beating was, how freaked out everybody was by seeing the clown afterwards and uh, they did a really good job of visualizing that. Yeah, one thing they could have even done better, yes, like with the book, you hear about the clown and you hear about it more from the police interrogation. When the police, you, the, this is more the permeating evil. The police are like, oh yeah, I don't really care that much as a gay guy, you got beat up. And But then you hear like the the brutalizers, the guys who actually beat the guy up, they're like, at the end, like, oh yeah, and then when I saw this clown and they're like, what, you saw a clown too? And like, I, like that was like a really cool thing where you see this permeating evil where the adults don't really care that much. And I thought that was, that could have, the scene could have been even a little bit better, but it was already really good. So I'm, uh, not complaining too much. All right, so moving on. Um, 
One thing that um, I knew they were going to do a good job with that on rewatch I thought was kind of silly from the miniseries was the first dinner scene when everybody comes back to town. Um, while I thought it was like a good moment in the miniseries, I thought it was a really good moment in it Chapter 2. Uh, so we see everybody coming back. Uh, all of their memories are kind of flooding back. They're remembering bits and pieces of the good stuff and also some of the bad stuff. And then uh, people are deciding whether they want to stay or go. Uh, namely, Richie is con very convinced on wanting to leave. Um, they're still waiting on Stan and they get to their fortune cookies, crack them open. And I forget exactly what the statement said, but they find out yeah, from those, an, putting those fortune cookies in order. I guess Stan didn't make it or something, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got the animal or all the... The chick, it, like the bird fetuses and the weird things. I mean, it was like, it was a bunch of now, again, CGI kind of things, which was okay. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad to me. It was, it was cool because it freaked the guys out and it kind of set that scene, mm -hmm. which I think was important, but... It wasn't, uh, you know, make or break for me. And then uh, I do think that scene in the Jade Orient, Jade, Jade Orient, I believe is the name of the restaurant, is is really important because it is huge in the books. This is the first time these adults have seen each other in years. And then you start to see this process where they just slowly start remembering things. Like they at the beginning, they have almost no idea what's going on. And then they start reliving the horrors of their childhood. And I really like how it comes piecewise like in, in this movie they kind of did it like almost till like halfway through the movie they still had no idea what the ultimate like adversary was or what the ultimate kind of what happened they're still trying to figure out like oh my god and then we went to the house on Nival street and ah, and you know i thought that was i thought that was well done i think this this scene was pivotal in setting that up yeah i agree completely um and we we get to find out not only like how they view themselves as adults, but how like they expected each other to be. You get that critical communication and you get the group reforming. And uh, yeah, this serves as the base point for all of our adults to get reintroduced to Pennywise and have their fun moments with him. Yeah, so this one of the big reason this movie is so long is that they actually dedicated enough time to do the walkabouts for the individual people. And I think that was super important. I think to relive that get or get that individual experience with um, Pennywise or with a form of Pennywise as an adult was necessary to really recommit themselves to this oath they made as children. And I think we got a lot of cool scenes from it. I think one of my favorites that feels a little understated was Richie, adult Richie, meeting up with uh, the actual Pennywise because a lot of the adults didn't really meet up with actual Pennywise. It was you know Eddie and the leper and his mom, or uh, Beverly with Mrs. Kirsch, which we'll talk about that scene too because that was a highly touted scene. But you actually get Pennywise like floating down with the balloons, coming towards Richie, and he's like, "Oh, I know your secret, your dirty little secret." Which before that, I didn't really know they were uh, leaning into kind of a new, you know gay angle for uh, uh, for Richie. And I think the way they set it up and the way it worked, I think it played well and I had no no problem with the addition or the change. Like it didn't feel like they were just trying to like be more progressive. I think it actually kind of fit naturally into it. And I thought it was a, I thought it was cool how they did that. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, it also gave a little bit more um, credence towards, or not credence, but gave another uh, scene for Henry Bowers just to be a douche. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, speaking of Henry Bowers, uh, Henry Bowers, his transition from child to adult, I think was a lot better in this adaptation. Uh, you can argue for different reasons. His, his usage let me down. Like, he kind of was not important. At, like, his inclusion yeah. almost didn't matter in, in the new, in it chapter two. That's fair. I just thought the transition of um, Henry going down in the sewer, basically becoming an old man with gray hair instantly, okay, yeah. was, was really silly. bad. But, uh, and then I really liked, um... I forget his buddy's name, who uh, broke him Chris. out. Yes, uh, Victor. Oh no, it was Belch. It was Belch Huggins. Belch. Or no, no, no. In the in the chapter two, it was um, it was Hockstetter, wasn't it? Patrick Hockstetter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he breaks him out. He looked really cool too. And then like he was like legit. Like he, I don't know if he was there for, like for anybody else technically, or if it was just like Pennywise doing his thing. But, yeah. Uh, I thought that was like, looked cool. Mm -hmm. And then that also gave for some <laughs> one of my favorite moments of the entire movie, uh, Eddie unfortunately runs across henry bowers while they're all staying in the hotel and he comes downstairs with like it was in the knife still stuck yeah, in his, in his cheek. cheek he just goes henry henry bowers in my room yeah. 
Bowers is my room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that was kind of a weird moment to do comedy, but we both really enjoyed it. I could see some people wanting it to be more serious, but yeah, we like we we definitely enjoyed a lot of the comedy in this movie, so we definitely enjoyed that. Yes. Um, real quick side note: so I believe it was Patrick Hockstetter. I um, they didn't include him at all in the miniseries. He was in ch- at chapter one. He was the one with the lighter. Torch, with, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you remember his what he was in the books? Because he maybe is the scariest part of the books no i don't remember so can i just take you on a little journey Let's so go. patrick hockstetter is a very disturbed child he is a boy who didn't like the attention that his baby brother was getting and so smothered him in his sleep and then blamed it on sudden infant death syndrome pretty much he is a boy who collected like kittens and stray dogs and put them in a refrigerator in the junkyard and would come check out on them every day and see when they eventually died uh he is a super messed up he had a uh, he had a very uncomfortable weird homoerotic moment with henry bowers in the junkyard actually where they were doing some hand stuff uh but ultimately his death which is the most terrifying and how he went down to pennywise is he was checking on his refrigerator where he was putting those animals and instead of these animals all of a sudden there's these enormous flying leeches that like attack you know latch onto his body one like gets onto his eyeball and literally sucks his eyeball like until it like just falls out because it's like the size of a pea and it just is they're taking bites out of his flesh and as he's dying with these leeches covering his body bev sees him then gets snatched by pennywise uh very very cool (laughs) very very creepy like you know the super disturbed child who has a very uncomfortable horrifying end but i i liked that they included him and they couldn't have gone all the way, all there with him in the movie. That just been too much. But I like that they went there a little bit with him. Yeah. And uh, while we're at it, uh, yeah, I guess I kind of agree. Now that I'm thinking about him more about Henry Bowers, I mean, he was he was certainly creepy. But after he killed his pops, there wasn't a whole lot going on. He got taken out pretty quick. Right. Or at least, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He was he wasn't super um, event like he didn't really have that much like to do. He wasn't like that big of a threat even when he had stuff to do either. Yeah. Like he was taken down pretty quick by the losers. So um, but anyway, we have made ourselves down into Pennywise's lair again after everybody has conquered their Pennywise moments and um, this scene was I thought this scene was great. Uh, there was <laughs> sorry my brother is uh, currently holding his dog like a baby and then he is uh, licking his face so the dog's licking my face I'm not licking his face <laughs> yeah. um, anyways uh, we get down to Pennywise's lair and it's great so we, ha- we have another moment where everybody gets split up we have the aforementioned uh, scene with Bill where Pennywise kind of takes over he ends up Somehow, I mean, not somehow, but mentally swimming to his basement where he's in the flooded basement. And he's witnessing Georgie and a version of himself. And he's uh, got a little, or the version of himself has got the gun pointed at adult Bill. And he's like, it's your fault. It's your fault. And then Bill has to accept for himself it wasn't his fault. I like how they actually, they brought up that, like, which I don't think was ever mentioned, that he was faking being sick because he didn't want to play with him. But that was just like, oh, yeah, that that, that happened. Yeah, it's, it's his justification, yeah. I'm sure. He can't remember how sick he felt Maybe, yeah. over time. It eventually becomes, hey, you probably just didn't want to see the kid. Uh, and then do you want to talk about, um, talk about, this is completely skipped in the miniseries, uh, but it was talked about a decent amount in the books. Uh, Pennywise's Origins? Well, that and oh. the... <laughs> Well, no, the, what's it called? The uh, Ritual of The Ritual of Chud? Yes. Um, Yeah, so they definitely approached it differently in the, uh, in in Chapter 2 in the books. In the books, it's like kind of this cosmic riddle contest where you have to bite each other's tongues and the first one to laugh loses and dies. I don't know. In the books, it's very weird. Uh, It's also very weird in the movie. Um, They kind of claim about it in similar ways. In the books, I liked it a bit better. The children did this weird ritual smoke lodge thing where they were in their underground treehouse, underground treehouse, underground clubhouse, and they just filled it with smoke. And like almost all the kids had to leave because they were coughing their lungs out. But I think uh, Mike... And Richie made it, and they started to have a shared hallucination where they saw Pennywise's origins, where like thousands and thousands of years ago, this looked like a meteorite crash landed in what was now the Dairy Barrens. Uh, they kind of had a similar type of deal in the movie where they showed 
on like a vase or the Native American storytelling with a something coming down and then this thing terrorizing these Native Americans. I didn't love how they approached it in the movie. Uh, I thought it was a little cheesy, but <laughs> especially with Mike kind of being like this lunatic uh, on psychedelics, he was like really into it. But I do like that they actually tried to go there and tried to approach a cosmic ending. And I liked how we saw later on the deadlights kind of projected outside the back of Pennywise's skull like those are actually what's controlling I thought that was super cool I like that a lot yeah I agree um I thought somebody I I, so I couldn't remember the ritual of Chud that they talked about very much in the books I thought for what it was I thought it was kind of well done uh, especially seeing how it didn't work at all no. <laughs> they went to all this trouble they spent like 45 minutes to an hour building up like collecting all of your uh, sack or your rich um what they call them uh, totems Something like a totem. I don't yeah. think it was called a to- token. Token. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody collecting their token. They had to go through the ringer to get their tokens. And then they just, as they close the casket or the urn top, you just see this balloon <laughs> explode out of it. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. Yeah, and Pennywise is like, oh, didn't Mike tell you that the Native Americans failed? <laughs> and they're like, Mike? And he's like, I thought we would do better. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we would do better. Yeah. And then uh, how do you feel about the ending uh, reducing Pennywise? So the visual of it was silly, yes. But I think, and this is a Stephen King thing I, that I've been wanting to talk about, but it's, it's more of a Stephen King thing and a horror movie thing. But a big thing with Stephen King is that these these big bads, these ultimate villains are, they're so much, they think they're so much stronger than they are. They, they don't understand how vulnerable they are. They don't understand how weak they are. You'll see this in so many books. I'm not going to say all the books because it's kind of spoilery, but like you see these villains or these big bads that are foiled by like just really humans like working together and joining in, in like strength. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you're being careful because I am currently reading a book where I feel like potentially fits in that category. That's why I said I'm not going to mention books to <laughs> be spoilery. Um, but you see this so many times, and I think you see this with Pennywise. You see this 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 belief that the the combined kind of children in in the first movie and in the book, and then the adults coming back and just really believing that you can actually defeat him. That's why you see in the books. The slingshot, the wrist rocket is going to kill it because it's like a werewolf and it's, it's a silver bullet. You see Eddie using his inhaler as a battery acid. This is a representation. It's not actually real, but that's Pennywise isn't like a lot of the stuff about him isn't actually real. So this is kind of this the adults believing, you know, just saying clown, you're a clown, clown. I think the idea of it I really liked because that's actually how I think that works in the Stephen King universe. The visual was silly. <laughs> there was like clown. 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 And he's like smaller. smaller. And then he has that one last rut and then a clown. <laughs> and then they like, do they, do they stop on him? I don't even remember how he goes out. He but. looked really cute as a baby clown. Yeah, he was just a little guy. Um, so I, for me, the overall idea worked. The execution maybe not perfect, but I liked the idea. Yeah, I did too. Well, um, we obviously did not cover these in an extraordinary amount of detail, but I think we did a decent job of uh, trying to compare and contrast and say what we liked about the individuals. I think... For both of us, we definitely enjoyed uh, It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2 more than the miniseries. And for me, I think it captured the spirit of the book pretty darn well. Uh, I think there's maybe some diehard book fans who disagree, and that's absolutely fine. But for me, and as uh, as a very big fan of the book, I've read it three times, I think this really captured the spirit of it. Yeah, uh, from what I remember, (laughs) I agree. And I think this is a good step up, and I'll say a step off from the miniseries because it's so different. And not not necessarily trying to make it better, but it's trying to be its own version. And I think it did an excellent job in doing that. Yeah. And uh, we haven't said it enough. So absolute props to Bill Hader for stealing the show with It Chapter 2, which I think a lot of people may have expected. But Bill Hader was phenomenal. If you're a fan of Bill Hader and don't even like uh, it at all, I think you should watch this movie because Bill, uh, Bill Hader is phenomenal. And yeah, Eric, I'm glad we got this podcast in. I'd like to get more regular with them coming back. I think we are... This might be episode 22 or so. I think we could uh, keep trending Let's keep trending up to 25, maybe do a fun episode for episode 25, as that's a little bit of a small milestone. It's, it'll be easy to do because we are going to be watching a lot of spooky movies in the spookiest month of the year. It is October 12th as of recording this, and we are uh, 
pretty excited about the rest of the month and watching a bunch of fun stuff. Yeah, so, anything on your, your radar you want to uh, highlight? I, I, this weekend we're going to try to watch In the Tall Grass, which just came out to Netflix about a week ago, which I, it's a Stephen King property, Stephen King owned King, so I'm very excited about that. There's a couple 2019 movies that are now going to be out on VOD that I want to peep, mm-hmm. uh, so Ready or Not is pr- just around the corner, if not already out. Child's Play is out now. Child's Play is out. Uh, Ma is out. Um, Happy Death Day to You is out. So those are all movies I will peep just because I like to keep up with the current stuff. And then uh, we've got a couple more coming out the remainder of the year. And a bunch of Halloween stuff, either old or new, that you can always watch. Halloween, Trick or Treat, all those classic Halloween ones. And one thing we've been doing even lately is going through uh, TV shows and watching Halloween-themed episodes, because those can be just as much fun, too. Yeah, maybe not as scary, but they're they're a good time. We'll probably watch the Boy Boy Meets World... Boy Meets World's ghost-faced one, so... We will always remember he was this tall. (laughs) Alright, so yeah, until next time, this has been Jumping Scared. Thanks for tuning in to the Jumping Scared podcast. Have any questions, comments, just want to share your horror movie opinions with us? Feel free to reach us at Jumping Scared Podcast on Twitter or by email, jumpingscared at gmail.com. See you next episode.